Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. is the Nightside Project. I may be super, but I am no hero. Nightside on KSL. A limited edition summer season. You realize, though, Alex, this is just temporary. Yeah, I still took your parking space and I'm not giving it back. The Nightside Project with Ethan Millard and Alex Carey. Streaming live on Alexa and on KSL News Radio at 102.7 FM. All right, everybody, welcome on in. It is KSL's The Nightside Project, Alex Curie, Ethan Millard, uh, taking a quick break here. And uh, while he's in St. George, uh, I'm going to handle our weekly uh, discussion with Dr. Matt Woolley, who we have on the show with us every week, and to give you uh, kind of some rubber meets the road, eye-level therapy during a uh, quite stressful time, I think. And so Dr. Matt Woolley, PhD, uh, he is also a, a licensed psychologist in the state of Utah, also host uh, of the podcast along with Casey Scott, Project Recovery, which you can find anywhere podcasts are found. Go to kslnewsradio.com, click on the podcast button. You can find that there. Uh, and uh, Dr. Matt, we haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for hanging out, man. Yeah, it's good to be back. I missed you guys last week. Yeah, and uh, well, we miss—we always miss you. I, if I—if I could have you on every night, I would do it, just because it's—it's it's so easygoing of a conversation that I think sometimes we make out to be uh, much more difficult. There are tough conversations that happen during, you know, this uh, weird time for a lot of folks, and um, I wanted to just jump into a couple of these questions and and just and, and get right in here. So. Uh, this one says, what suggestions do you have for people like me who have loved not having in- to interact with people that much and will end up going back to, quote, normal, where I don't feel normal at all? Uh, I want the virus to go away, but I also have loved not interacting with others that often. That's an interesting uh, That's an interesting question. Do you find this a lot where people are like, this is actually my sweet spot where I don't have to hang out oh, with anybody? Yeah, 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 for, <laughs> for sure. Um, there are a lot of people that this is sort of, in a weird way, they're, at least when it comes to work, sort of their dream come true. And these are probably people that have some pre-existing um, social anxiety, you know, and introverted people are thriving more than extroverted people are thriving right now. Um, I have a couple suggestions, though, because, you know, uh, first of all, I mean, we don't know exactly how normal things will be when we get back to it, but it sounds like this person's normal wasn't that enjoyable for him or her at that when it was happening. So a couple of thoughts. One is advocate for yourself. Plan to modify your your future work life if possible. You know, stand up and come up with a plan right now 
that you can pitch to your supervisors or bosses and see if you can come up with some sort of hybrid of stay at home and and work in the office uh, in the future that works better for you. Uh, A lot of companies are looking for that. So that's not a bad idea. So be a good advocate for yourself. Uh, The other thing is reconnect with, um, you know, what you like about people. Rarely do people, does a person really dislike everyone or, or everything. And so you might want to sit down and say, well, when I do have positive interactions with people, uh, you know, what, is, what are the elements? Let me, let me kind of break it down to the, to the ingredients and find out what those are and try to focus on those. Why go back to normal if the normal wasn't working for you? Let's make it better in the future. And then honestly, the third suggestion I have for this person is this is probably a person with some social anxiety. Yeah. And you know what? You don't have to live with social anxiety. Find a cognitive behavioral therapist who can work with you for a few weeks or months to really help you feel better about being out there and enjoying social interactions. You don't have to feel that Um, there works. And so I would suggest doing that. I I feel like there would be, and I'm, I'm the opposite of this. I I feel like that I've struggled more. I mean, I've, I've at least had the blessing of being able to come into the office, but I'm definitely a type a out there. I'm at my best when I'm with groups of people and like I, Right. And, and I've, I, I know that the, I mean, the good news is I come home and I have my wife and kids. And so I still am able to kind of be around people all day, but I know that there are a ton of people that have the opposite happen where they're like, I find myself in a spot where I'm not comfortable with me, which is definitely where I've been before. Yeah. You're as comfortable with themselves in context of interacting with others. Do you mean? Well, in my, in my case, it's like, I, I sometimes I don't like me enough to be around me, you know, like oh, yeah, just yeah. by myself. You know, it's like I, the best version yeah. of me sometimes, or at least my my definition sometimes of the best version of me is when I'm around other people or when I'm doing or when well, I'm. You're, you're probably an extrovert, right? No, absolutely, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Is the way to judge that for the listeners is where do you get your batteries recharged? Is it when you're alone, like you right. know, reading a book and taking some time to yourself? Or do you want to recharge your batteries by connecting with other people? And and that's a way to know if you're an introvert or an extrovert. And honestly, one is not better than the other. Our society sort of gives a little bit more thumbs up to the extroverts for some reason. But, you know, both are, are, are needed. But if you're not loving it, then let's work on it. That's all I have to say about, that's you know, yeah. like that. Well, and yeah. and with, with uh, when you say it like that, it's a lot easier to understand in terms of just going – well, look, if I'm at home and I'm by myself, there's some real recharging that goes on there. Not to be mistaken with uh, where do I feel kind of in a, a zone of like I'm I'm pretty happy right now or or this is kind of making me, you know, when I go through a day-to-day thing and you walk out of a situation, you go, hey, I feel pretty good about that. What was the thing that made me kind of feel like that, I guess, is, is where I've been with yeah. that. Okay, here's another question. This is my wife and I. Oh, I just it scrolled past. Hold on. Okay, my wife and I don't really have anything to fight about these days, and yet it seems we find more things to fight about now that we have more uh, about now more than we have in the previous twenty years of marriage. How do we hit the reset button and go back a little? And Princey's uh, he says also she says pretty nasty things and will not say she's sorry for anything ever. That seems like that la- that last parenthetical right there is like. That, that seemed like it was, had a lot going on there. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the meat of it right there. 
Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, you do have things to fight about. <laughs> you may have been avoiding it for 20 years. Oh, yeah. But you have something to fight about if you're fighting. I have a few thoughts on this one. First of all, man, you, you need to make yourself clear. You know, clear how you feel. And I know it's cliche. It really is. But use an I feel because statement. I feel this way because of that. It, you, you have to get out there and be willing to risk her negative feedback by saying how you feel. Um, and I also am a believer in saying specifically, sweetheart, when you say X, Y, and Z, that really hurts my feelings, and I'm going to ask you not to say that anymore. And that is is a very direct way of communicating in a marriage, but oftentimes a, a spouse needs to hear that, come back to them. Um, I would say it's important to identify what you're bickering about. Is it all this COVID stuff, or is it more of like midlife dissatisfaction? They've been married 20 years. They're in their midlife. That's a normal time for couples to kind of look around at themselves and their marriage and say, I'm not sure I love where this is headed. <laughs> you know, I don't really maybe like myself in this in this scenario uh, as much as I thought I would when I was in my 40s, let's say they are. Or um, I thought maybe our marriage would be more fun and exciting, and it, it doesn't feel like that. So midlife is an exciting time of life. It doesn't have to be that midlife crisis. It's often a time where people make amazing changes and transformations for themselves. Uh, they lose weight. They get in shape. They save money. They go back to school. They do awesome things. And your marriage can be can explode in its best during midlife if you work together. But if you don't communicate, it can't happen. And so I will say my final kind of comment for this person is um, tough it out and have three really good sessions with a couple's counselor about communication. Just get in there, get some skills. I don't know why we go to the dentist every six months, but we we feel like we should never go to a therapist. We right. kind of see going to the therapist as a – Well, that's, a, that's an interesting way you put it too. That's an interesting way you put it too about like kind of this, uh, you know – I think people think, oh, we're going to a therapist. I guess we're signed up for life. But just w- when you said it like that, say, hey, go to three sessions yeah. and just like and, and knock some stuff out about communication. Then then right. that's a good place to start. Um, the right. the you thing- don't have to lay on the couch and, and say, like, let's talk about my whole life. You can walk into a therapist and say, hey, I'd like to have three sessions. My spouse and I would like to communicate better. Go. <laughs> yeah. Do it. There was a thing there, too, in the in the question that the listener asked about. That she doesn't say sorry for anything ever. And I think that sometimes uh, I get to the thing, I get to, I think my wife and I are pretty good about uh, mending really, like small things especially, just like getting right over it. You know what I mean? And But I also have found myself to be the type of person that will just be like, I'll say sorry for anything. Even if I'm, (laughs) you know, like I I, I find myself just, I want want resolve. And I'll say sorry about anything. Let me tell you, if there's a couple out there that's engaged right now, listen to me carefully. I'm sorry is the greatest thing you can say over and over again until you're dead. Just do it. It it, it makes such a difference. Just be sorry. Just be sorry for what you did. Move on. If you hold on to that, if you can't say you're sorry, oh, my goodness. Man, that's an uphill battle for the rest of that marriage. <laughs> uh, we're going to come back. We've got more. We've got more questions here for Dr. Matt Woolley. I've, uh, I'm, I'm personally getting a lot out of this. I hope everybody else who's listening is too. This is really good. I've got a couple questions coming up. One is about other people's kids and dealing with uh, other people's kids 
uh, how much you need to parent other people's kids when they're in your home versus, uh, you know, not. And then another one that has to do with a missionary who's home and getting reassigned, the emotions that go with that, and maybe not wanting to go back out and feeling that guilt. We'll come back more to go right here. The Nightside Project continues. Dr. Matt Woolley. Uh, is hanging out with us. Send your text to 57500 and we'll take. We're all friends here. The Nightside Project on KSL News Radio. All right, welcome back. It's KSL's The Nightside Project. I'm Alex Keery, Ethan Millard. Uh, we'll be back at the beginning of the next hour. I've, I'm here with Dr. Matt Woolley, uh, who we have on with us every Wednesday. And we chat with about just kind of the things that maybe you're going through. Uh, we take your listener. Uh, emails nightside at ksl.com it's nightside at ksl.com or uh, hit us up on uh, on the text line as well five seven five zero zero we read all those and sometimes it, when it's the week of it might be just a little bit too much uh, to kind of throw at Matt Woolley although I found that nothing really is uh, too much for Matt and for dr. Matt so uh, uh, I, I just I just want you to tell Ethan I don't have my feelings hurt that he didn't show oh. for me. Just make sure he knows. <laughs> he's listen we the 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 connection issues. I mean, you sound better over the phone than he does over his weird connection that he has going on from uh, from where he is. So, um, and you know what? It, it's kind of interesting because there's just there's a little bit of like this analogy of the radio broadcast where we're like, we are like we have to have a certain broadcast quality, and if it's not there, that's not the industry standard, and you are you're gone. And then when COVID hit, we were like this. Oh, we can barely hear you over Skype. We'll take it, you know. Like, and I think there's like a little bit of that survivalist thing that we have as humans, yeah. where that kind of there's something in there. There's a, there's an analogy in there that, that uh, a metaphor for us. Um, keep those uh, those emails and texts and things coming in. We we love having those, and uh, there hasn't been a, a question too difficult or or or. Uh, not serious enough or anything. I mean, there's they're, all the questions matter. Uh, so this is where we're going to start here. This one says, I find other people's kids basically unbearable. <laughs> I thought that was very straightforward. And I can relate with a lot of times, but, you know, um, I, I don't know. I Sometimes they're the ones that are playing with my kids, and so I'm just like, oh, I like this kid. I find other yeah. people's kids basically unbearable. During this whole COVID life, I have had kids at my house more than ever, and I feel really badly, but I can't stand other people's kids, and I oftentimes find myself getting upset at them and sending them home, much to the dismay of my kids. Um, there's a th- We've had this discussion in my house before. My wife and I are like, oh, my goodness. Uh, other people's kids, I can barely handle ours. And, and, right. and, and this is a difficult thing, too, because you're trying to be a neighbor. You're trying to be nice about it. And at my house, we end up kind of being – the uh, gathering place a lot of times, which I love. I actually prefer being the place where people like that's to come. That's the way to do it. If you can pull that off, that's the way to do it. Have your house be the house where everybody comes because then you can keep an eye on them. Sure. But what about the not but, liking uh, ki- other people's kids part that uh, I, can get, I think that's, <laughs> this person can get over? Typical. I mean, I think that's pretty typical. Um, I will say, though, there's, I think there's been an increase in that because our generation, parents right now in your late 30s to late 40s, I think there was there was a shift where we feel like we have to monitor the play dates. You know, there's more supervision going on in the play dates than ever when we grew up. And I don't really understand exactly how that happened. And so my, my first question or my first comment, I guess, for this person's question would be you really need to ask yourself, are you hovering too much during these play dates and feeling resentful that you have to police 
what's going on and supervise. I mean, if you have a bunch of kids at your house that you feel like you have to monitor all the time, then of course you're going to be hating other people's kids because it's it's a full time job and then some. Well, there so was that's a, one thing you brought to separate. Do I really dislike the kids, or do I dislike the fact that I put myself in this role of somehow being this the the circus ringleader? Right. You know, I was going to say that because you brought that up before about. Uh, we think that we have to entertain our kids all the time and be the cruise director. You also don't have to be the circus, uh, uh, you know, the person running the whole circus. You can just say, hey, step back, let them play, set some boundaries. They're, uh, the, the, the same person at, at one point emailed about uh, when other people's kids come over and then you end up parenting them and then uh, the other parent will come over and say, hey, you know, uh, you don't need to parent my kid or, or don't say that to my kid about, you know, don't I saw you get upset at him. And it's like it's a weird thing. It's a weird in my mind. I'm the kind of I'm the kind of guy that like if a dad gets mad at my kid, you know, I'm kind of like, well, there you go. You know, it was like the yeah, same kind yeah. of thing when the when Mr. Jones next door got mad, my dad would go, well, there you go. <laughs> Listen to Mr. Yeah. Jones. And, and and instead it's this kind of thing where we come to our kids' rescue all the time rather than go, right. hey, this is a learning this is a learning moment. Yeah, I, I do think that there we should allow our kids to experience more in the ways of uh natural consequences to some of their behavior. Of course there's a line. But um I would say um this is probably a function of that. But the other comment I have for this parent is why do you have kids at your house more than ever? This is COVID. You have the ultimate excuse to limit how much time your kids are playing with other kids at your house. So honestly, if it's too much, then let's kind of practice a little more social distancing. Um, we're having major upsurge in, in cases in Utah. Um, it's a good time to help your kids learn to be a little bit more self-sufficient in their own entertainment. Um, but I, I'm a big believer in not becoming, like you said, the cruise director for these kids. And I, I think that's probably partly at least what's going on here at this household. Uh, this is a tough one, too. And um, this final question that came in uh, to us a couple weeks ago, we weren't worthy last week, but this one I, I held on to because I thought it was interesting. I think a lot of families might be going through something similar. This one says, I have a missionary who came home to be reassigned during the during COVID-19 and doesn't want to go back out and is freaked out about the guilt that she feels not going back out to serve the rest of her mission, what can we do to support her? Which I thought was a really good question there at the end. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a very timely and relevant question. Um, currently, I'm working with several uh, people who are in the same situation. And so, to be honest, uh, the number one thing this, these parents ought to do, in my opinion, is find a therapist for this young lady to to go in and have some weekly visits with and talk through uh, all of her anxiety and stress related to, to staying or going back on her mission. And the reason I say it that way is this is actually a prime place where a therapist is helpful because they're not uh, intimately uh, in, invested in whether this person goes back out on the mission. The, the therapist can serve the role of helping her talk about why she feels strongly about staying home and then help her talk through why she feels guilty about making that decision. Um, so that would be something that I think is essential uh, because there are a lot of people that have come home from missions who were have various 
there are a lot of different reasons why going back out might feel overwhelming to them. And doing something out of guilt is never going to be a good result. And I'm sure these parents know that. Um, another thing, though, is for the parents, and that is um, I really would highly recommend they make absolutely sure that they are okay with her decision to stay and not return so that they can convey some unconditional love and support to her. Because they, you know, as a parent, we're invested in our kids. And, and if going on a mission was something that was that you felt really strongly about for your child, it's important for you to really be invested in her, not her serving a mission. And understand why that's what where she's at right now and be supportive of her unconditionally. And that, that will last a lifetime as opposed to the damage that can come from trying to get there but not really believing it. So so if you're struggling with it as a parent, it would be good for you to go talk to somebody. It's a wild times, you know, considering that a lot of folks have had to, you know, bringing kids home uh, in mass, you know, and then sending oh, them back yeah. out again. It's an interesting time. So uh, Dr. Matt Woolley, we've run plum out, of t- plum out of time. We love these sessions, and uh, we're going to do it again next week. Oh, maybe. Well, we'll see. <laughs> we've talked I'm about around. this possibly being the last week but we don't know yet so we'll see oh okay we'll take the uh, we'll take the break fun. and we'll keep uh we'll keep our eyes uh, on the prize here uh we're gonna come right back more to go headlines right around the corner on the nightside project stay with us two years ago americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport there's desperation and anguish more than eighty thousand afghans have since arrived in america but this story is still unfolding I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.